Let's go to the book of Proverbs this morning. This word has been burning in my heart this week and I can't get away from it. I'm excited I, and I'm interested to see what, just what the Lord is going to say through us to us this morning. Uh, we're going to start reading at Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1. Just follow with me for a few moments. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace will they add to you. You might ought to go through there. And as I'm reading these things, there's some things that maybe you might ought to underline or circle or however you do it. But he said, length of days and long life and peace will they add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shall you find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Holy Spirit, I thank you for helping us today and for being with us. I thank you that you are opening our eyes and our hearts to receive. And I ask you now, God, that you would touch every heart of every person in this room. God, that we could be and walk out in the fullness of everything you're doing and what you're doing and want to do in our life. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. I simply want to speak to you. I'm not sermonizing you this morning, but I keep hearing the Lord speak to me, and maybe he's only talking to me, and I doubt that. I believe he's talking to all of us, but I just keep hearing him say something simple like this, trust me. If there ever was a time that you're going to have to put your confidence in your trust in the Lord, it's right now. Because things are changing rapidly. I hear people say it all the time, continuing to say they're trying to find a new normal or, or, or things aren't like they were. We never dreamed that we would be in the state that we are as a nation and, and as a people and, and all the craziness that is going on in the world. We're going to simply have to know we're going to have to trust Jesus and that he's going to see us through. Not only with things that are going on in the world, even in the things that are happening spiritually around us. I thought it was interesting. I had to go back and revisit the word that Brother Steve brought last week. How many remembers what he talked about? Nobody? Steve, I hope you ain't watching this. But he simply spoke a word on understanding. Now, I don't think it was by chance that Brother Steve was in the house. And I don't think it was by chance because he told me beforehand, he said, I've got the strangest word this morning. And, and, and he began to speak on understanding. And Paul said something like this, wisdom is the principal thing, but in all of your getting, get understanding. Now, to some, we need to understand, I'm telling you, and I'm going to keep preaching this and keep declaring it, because I believe God is doing something great in the land, in the earth. I believe God's doing something great in the nation. I believe God's doing something great in the region. And I believe God's doing something great right here at Christ Church, whether you see it or not. 
Hello? And sometimes the reason we don't see it is that we're not understanding what God's doing. Hello? Because we keep looking for everything. It's interesting to me that we've all, over the last number of months, we are all revival experts. We are. We're all revival. We know what revival is. Well, let me throw let me just let me just throw some things at you to get you to understand, help you understand. One of my prayers have been continuously that I pray is to be as the sons of Issachar, to have understanding of the time and seasons so that we will know what we ought to be doing in the moment of time. How many knows that's what it, the tribe of Issachar, that was part of their responsibility, was to discern, to have some understanding, to help direct what God was doing in the earth. I think it's quite interesting that if you talk of most people, we wouldn't be in revival. And the reason we're not in revival, we're not running the aisles, we're not laying down on the floor, we're, we're not doing all of those things. Because that's what we know of revival of the past. That was a great time. Are y'all okay? Everybody just, it's okay. All right. And if you disagree with me, it's okay for you to be wrong. No, I'm just kidding there. Shouldn't even said that. But the reality is I look at things like this. All right. I hear God saying he's moving. And I hear revivals breaking out. So we'll all turn towards Asbury a few months ago or Wilmore, Kentucky, and the Asbury University. Man, we were all excited for about two weeks. Matter of fact, there wasn't a church in the land that didn't have a great service. Not a church. Everybody I turned to after that Sunday morning, every pastor said, man, this was the greatest service. Man, we were there. People were worshiping. People were pressing in. And everybody was screaming, revival is here. That was a few months ago, but wait a minute. I don't know. Did something happen? Did God quit? Or did we not read what was really going on? And what made our service different that morning than any other time? I had somebody say the morning that God had free reign. Well, I don't know about you. I've given him the service every morning. That he has free range. You know what the difference was between any other service we do and now? Is that you were excited about what was happening at Wilmore, at, at Asbury, and everybody was pressing into it. Oh, come on, y'all looking at me strange now. Well, wait a minute. That, that's neither here nor there for a moment. But did God quit? Because I don't hear anything about that anymore. Or did we miss something? Did we may not did we possibly not discern what the Lord was doing? Matter of fact, at the same time that great movie uh, came on the came on that all of us went and seen was the Jesus Revolution. What a powerful movie. I've heard so many people tell me I couldn't sit through that movie without weeping. Could it be that God was giving us a message of something that he was doing that went far beyond Hollywood? About the same time that movie comes out, some of you went to see it, there was a movie entitled Come Out in Jesus' Name. 
I got to be with that pastor several months ago before that before that movie ever come out. And, and I've told you about what's happening in his church. Now, we know that's happening everywhere, but not in every circle, not in every movement. Matter of fact, I think it was Pastor Val sent me a, sent me a, a, a video of a, of a church of Christ, brother, that didn't even believe in this stuff, that the power of God began to move upon him, and he began to minister deliverance in a way that that, that that organization had never seen. But wait a minute, I haven't heard any more about it, so does it mean that God's quit? No. So if that's what we're looking for and it's not happening, then maybe we have to understand that God is moving but he's not moving in the way that we think he ought to move. And this is where we've got to come to that point to simply put our trust in the Lord. I'm not telling you I know everything this morning because I don't. I'm trying to navigate this thing just as much as you are. And sometimes, I, I, I remember last year, one of the top songs that seemed to be sung for maybe as a couple years ago that seemed to be sung over the nation was something like this. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, come Lord Jesus. But isn't it interesting that the only time we know that God is in the house is when he's doing what I've always seen him do. I'm trying to tell us, you and I, to navigate through life because I believe there's something greater than a church meeting. A few weeks ago down south of us, I love these brothers. I went to be a part of their meeting. There was a unity revival. They were moving around from one church to another church to another church. It was called unity revival. Uh, but I haven't heard any more about it over the last couple of weeks. So I don't know if everybody fell out of unity or that what God wanted to show us through that, has he made gave a message that he wanted us to see. Church, I'm here to declare to you it's time to get our spiritual eyes open last week when I was coming home from Louisville I spoke this on Wednesday night when I was coming home from Louisville see a lot of us will give the churches in town and other places a difficult time because they don't express Holy Ghost like you and I do you know, they're either seeker churches or they're attractive churches or they're this kind of church. They don't just have anything going. And I, I don't know why, I just coming down the road just meditating. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord. I really believe it was the Lord speak to me. Or I wouldn't even bring it back up this morning. I believe he spoke to me. He said, much of my church is that way. They just don't realize it. They're that way every day of the week. You come in here and you expect Holy Ghost to show out. But then when you leave here and you go back to normal, what you think normal life is, after leaving church, we don't find Holy Ghost until we either come back in midweek or we come back on Sunday morning. But I'm here to declare to you that this move of God is about you yielding your heart every day to the Spirit of God and saying, God, whatever you want to do with me and through me today, I'm available for you to pour out out. I believe that's where we are. I don't think it's about another meeting, but I think it's about a revivalist group. Do I got any revivalists in the house this morning that are saying, God, I'm going to be the revival for the hour that we're in. And I got to get to this. I've been leading up to it, but this, I love the book of Proverbs. I've been reading through it in my Bible reading. 
The word Proverbs is really the key word in it is wisdom. And wisdom simply means, as they gave a definition, is the ability to live life skillfully. Boy, I thought that's an interesting definition of wisdom. Because we need to know how to be skillful in the things of the Lord to be effective in the day that we're in. So he goes on and he starts out as Solomon, the wisest man on the planet, we would say. You remember what his prayer was when he was given the position of kingship? And from my understanding, he's just a very young man. And he goes before the Lord and he says, God, I need your help. I've been given the responsibility, I'm paraphrasing in Zach. I've been given the responsibility of all this people. Now I need you to help me, Father. And the one thing that he asked for, he didn't ask for the head of his enemy. He didn't ask for great wealth and riches. He didn't even ask for success. He just said, Lord, give me the ability to go before this people and lead them properly and see them blessed. And the Lord speaks to him and said, because you didn't ask for the head of your enemy, I'm going to give you the head of your enemy. Not only because you didn't ask for wisdom or you didn't ask for great wealth, I'm going to give you great wealth. I'm going to give you great riches. I'm going to esteem you above all the leaders of the land. So Solomon starts writing. And he said, my son, listen to what he says. I believe God's talking to us as sons and daughters this morning. My son, forget, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. He said, do not forget my law, nor keep my commandments. See, those are dirty words, especially in the day that we're in. Because the time that we're in doesn't like restraint whatsoever, nor does it like boundaries But God made it emphatic. It wasn't just for Solomon. This was for the children of Israel. When he brought them up out of Egypt, the first thing that God gave them, he set boundaries for them. And he said, I'm going to separate you from all the people of the earth so that through you, I'm not trying to keep you from any good thing. Matter of fact, I'm going to bring more blessing into your life than what you could imagine. And I'm going to make the world jealous of you. And you're going to glorify me by what I do. So when he's talking about the law and commandments, he's actually talking to Israel. He's talking to them about what we would consider the first five books of the Bible that most of those Hebrews would have been taught and trained in and memorized was the Pentateuch of that time. But notice what he said, if you keep them, if you don't let them go, length of days and long life shall they add to you. I believe length of days, he's talking about this, days that are utterly fulfilled. Days that you're not walking around wondering what your purpose is. Days that you're not wondering, about, do I have any value of being on this planet whatsoever? Because when you understand who you are and what God has designed for you and you're living out his life, he said, I'm going to make you so fulfilled that you won't go to bed. Man, I'm wore out. I hope that alarm clock doesn't get off in the morning. I believe it means like this, that you can't wait for morning to come because you're ready to step back in to the plan of God in your life. Now, the reality is most believers don't live that way. We're struggling after being in church all of our lives trying to struggle with who we are. 
trying to find our identity and purpose. But he said, I'll give you length of days. And not only will I give you length of days, I'm going to give you long life. You don't have to worry about checking out early. I really believe that. He said, he'll give you long life. Then he goes on to say, let not mercy and truth forsake me, forsake you. The word mercy there means kindness. The word truth there talks about stability and trustworthiness. He said, let it not forsake you. Bind them about your neck. I want to tell you there's something about being stable in this hour. Because we're in an unstable world. May I push it a little? We're in unstable Christianity to some degree. Because the church has been invaded. And now we got believers that don't know who they are, not, not, but they're believing falsehoods and things that are totally contrary to the word of God. He said, don't let these things slip away. He said, bind them about your neck. In other words, he's talking about a yoke like you would yoke two oxen together that let this thing drive you. If anything is going to turn you, let it be the word, let it be the trustworthiness, let it be the stability that comes comes to God that will turn your heart. He said, write them upon the tablet of your heart. See, everybody wants to have fun, man. We like radical, we like, we love, we love radical revival. We're running the aisles and doing that. I love that stuff, but I believe there's something greater that's taking place within our lives. Uh, that's happening in the church. It's happening in our nation. Do I have any patriots in the house this morning? Amen. Come on, Yeah. I've gone through some teaching just like you have and we're shouting as patriots that we want our nation to come back to the, to the roots, to come back to the foundation that our forefathers established us on and what men and women gave their life for so that you and I can have peace. Notice our, as patriots, that's what we're wanting. I believe that's what God is saying to us. I believe it's what happened at Asbury. I believe it's what's happening in many of the places that are springing up. It's not about the worship. It's not about the meeting. I believe God is saying, will somebody turn back to me? I believe that's more than any of it. Because I want to tell you, you can worship and still walk away and your heart be that far from God. And be in the middle of the fire and your heart be far from God. But he said, bind them about your neck, write them upon the tablet of your heart. Listen, out of the heart flows the issues of life. You want to know where you are? Just look at how you live every day. What's moving from your heart? It's what turns you. It's the treasure that's in us. You know, if you speak with a financial guy, he would tell you like this, I can tell you where your heart is. Let me have your checkbook. Because what you spend your money on is really what you think about money. It's depicted by your checkbook. The things that move you, the things that you get involved with every day. It's a depiction of what is written upon your heart. He said, write them upon your heart so you will have favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. 
I've got to get this down because I've got to get to this verse right here that's coming. We got to stay in the place that we're trusting him. Verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You know that's probably one of the number one verses that you will find on plaques and pictures are set in offices on people's desks and everywhere else is that passage I just read to you. I want to give you four or five blessings real quick that tell you I don't have time to read every verse, so just write them down. And there's probably a whole lot more in trusting the Lord that comes. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms 22 verse 4, those who trust in God will be delivered from their enemy. Those who trust in the Lord will be delivered from their enemies. In 1 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 20, here's another promise. He promises those that trust in the Lord, their prayers are going to be answered. Now I know there's people that pray, but you're not trusting God. There's people praying in this room, God, I pray that you move on pastor. I pray that you move on pastor Val, move on somebody. He didn't say pray to move on me. If you're looking for me to be the answer to your prayer, you're going to miss it. If you're looking to Miss Judy to be the answer to what you're after, you're going to miss it. He didn't say Miss Judy was going to answer your prayer, although he may use her to do it. Those that trust in the Lord, you can read this when you get home. Proverbs 3, 5, I just read to you. They will walk in straight paths. And what that really simply means there doesn't mean that you won't face opposition, doesn't mean that you won't face difficulty from time to time, but you're going to know that you know you're on the right path with God. And it's not because the enemy's warring against you. There's just something in your knower. Church, I'm going to say to you, I got that in me right now for this house. I know some of you feel different, but I know we're doing what God wants us to do in this moment of time. I'm convinced of it. I've had to shut everybody off. I really have. I've had to shut a lot of things down because I'm getting clouded with everybody. I want to know what God is speaking to this place. And I believe with all my heart, we're where God wants us to be. He said, I will make straight paths for your feet. Here's another one. He said, those that trust in me will be given joy and gladness. Proverbs 16, verse 9, and, or, or Psalm 16 in verse 9, and, and Psalms 33 in verse 21. Those that trust in the Lord, they'll be filled with joy. And gladness. This is the word of the Lord. Here's the last one I'll give to you. And there's probably many more that I haven't got to. But those that put their trust in God, they will have inner peace and no fear. They will have an inner peace and no fear. Psalms 4 verse 8, Isaiah 26 verse 3. He said, those that keep their mind on me will have perfect peace. I'm telling you, there is a place that everything around us 
can be falling down. The earth be shaking. The news reports still be bad. But there's something on the inside of you. Miss Adrian says, I don't know how. It may not look like it on the surface. You're going to feel this over the days. And you may have felt it this past week. But there's going to be that inner peace that can only come from the Lord. There's winds blowing out here. But I got a feeling that everything's going to be all right. Oh, I got a feeling. Has anybody got a feeling besides me? Well, I'm preaching to all of you that didn't respond. Because evidently you need the peace on the inside of you. Listen, trusting, trusting in God's promises. It's not based upon what you can do, what I can do, or what I've done. It's not about how much I've done over here. It's not how much I've done there. The promises of God are just as real for everybody in this room as your, fatest, as your favorite, as your greatest and favorite preacher on YouTube or TV or wherever you watch him or on this platform. That same God that blesses them, blesses you. Matter of fact, I remind myself of that once in a while. I'll be in here praying about a situation. I'll say, God, you're the same God for me as you are, Jerry. Seville. You're the same God for me as you are Ken Copeland. You're the same God for me as you are Rodney Brown, Benny Hinn. You're the very same God. God, the way you bless them, you want to bless me. And the word said you're no respecter of person. So if they can be blessed, so can I. It's just where my focus is. I'm trusting in the Lord. Listen, it's not based on how worthy you are. How worthy you may think you are, how worthy you think you're not, it's not based there. But it's totally based on the unswerving loyalty of God's goodness and of God's kindness for us. Church, he said, trust me. I want to give you four reasons why you can trust him real quick. The first reason is this. God is completely reliable. He's completely reliable. I didn't say revival, reliable. Numbers 23, 19, he says this. I'm not man that I should lie, neither am I the son of man that I should repent. I'm bad about double booking myself over and over. I'll write stuff down or don't write stuff down and because I love everybody and they say, will you do this? Yeah, I'll be there, not realizing I've already had something in place. So if I do that, I'm going to disappoint somebody. And what it looks like is I'm unreliable, but I'm limited. But God is not limited. God is absolutely reliable. Many of you have lived with a man, a father, that possibly was unreliable. He wasn't much of a father to you. And your whole life was motivated or was molded by the idea of the one that, called, that you called daddy. The one that said he loved you couldn't hold up to his word. Maybe there's some of you in this place. Maybe a husband. Maybe a wife. They cheated on you. They were unreliable. They stood before a preacher with you. And they made a promise that they would always be true to you. And somewhere down the road, they lied. And they became unfaithful. And as a result of that, it had an impact upon your life. He said, I'm not man that I should lie. Neither am I the son 
grown-up man that I'm going to have to come back and repent to you and tell you I'm sorry. He's absolutely reliable, completely reliable. Here's the second thing you need to know about him. He is a, he is a God of integrity and he always keeps his word. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, I believe it is, the Bible says this, for it is impossible for God to lie. So if God tells me there's a place of peace, Charlie, you experience that. I remember you telling me that over and over when Charlie was getting ready to go under and be put on that ventilator. He said, the nurses told him later, I believe it was, that most people fought that thing to keep from going. Even though they didn't go, they were going to die. But somehow, Charlie, and I have to believe it was God, that God gave him a peace beyond what was going on on the outside. And the reason God could do that is because God can't lie. I'm telling you, God can't lie when you've got your trust in him. And whether you trust him or not, he still can't lie. Whether you see him do what you thought he ought to do, he still can't lie. Here's the fourth thing. God is all wise. God is all wise, which simply means this. He makes no mistakes in his directives. He's all wisdom. He's all wisdom. Now, if I was God, I wouldn't made a snake. If I was God, I wouldn't made a rat. If I were God, I wouldn't made a mosquito. If I were God, I wouldn't have any flies. If I were God, probably some of you wouldn't exist. <laughs> Notice I built up to that. <laughs> but I'm not God. So if God is all wisdom... Doesn't matter what you think about me or I think about you or you think about the neighbor you don't like or the boss that gives you a rough time. You and I have to understand that God makes no mistakes in his directives. Isaiah 55 says this, my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You and I only see from a very limited perspective. I can't see but about 25 feet because I can't see through that wall. I'm not Superman. I can't see what God's doing on the outside. But God's got another perspective that I don't see. I've used this, I know before. It's been a long time since I've used it. So since it's my third story that I can only tell, I'll use it. Going into Trinidad, flying in late one night because that's when we got in there late in the night about 10 o'clock and it's dark and we're over the ocean. And I remember the pilot coming on. He says, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that we are 100 miles away from our destination. And these are the words that come out of his mouth next. He said, I can see the lights of the city 100 miles away. I think, wow, how can that be? I can't even see 25 feet. It's a good thing I got lights on my car in the night. But there was only two ways it could happen. One, we were five miles above the ocean. We were flying at 35, maybe 40,000 feet in the air. 
Not only were we flying that high up, but we were flying in the dark so that everything down below, even a flicker of a, of a flashlight could be seen. You and I have to understand that his ways and his thoughts, church, are far greater than ours is. And when you don't think God is working, you have to keep in mind you're looking through a limited perspective. I wouldn't have chose him. I wouldn't have chose you. See, we're all that way. We're that way with our nation. I read a verse the other day. I, I need... I need definition on it, but I read the other day. He said, the heart, of, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Okay, so all my patriots in here. I know Mr. Biden, I'm going to get in trouble. But whether you like him or don't like him, could his, hand, could his heart be more in the hand of God and God using him and all the people that we don't like? Whether you voted for him or the other guy or whatever, could not God be using them in a way to fulfill a purpose? I sat with somebody this week, said, Pastor, I'm seeing the end time unfold right before us. Jesus could come at any day. But see, because I have a right to my opinion. Hello? Let me get off of that. Got to get on. But God is. He's, he makes no mistakes in his directives. Here's the last thing I want to give you about him. His love is perfect, which means he is always seeking my very best interest. If God says no to you, it's not denial and it's not love or not an act that he doesn't love you. That's fallen nature. Well, if you loved me, you would do this. You must not love me or you would provide for me. See, we make it an issue that's not even the issue. But God is perfect in his love. Sometimes, sometimes some of the things that we do, we need to learn how maybe once in a while to say, no, that's not it. I don't want to offend you, so I'll just, okay, go ahead. I, I, I don't want to offend you. Sometimes you got to say no because it's for them. It's like the mama that thinks her baby can sing. And she can't. We need a Simon Cow. Oh, yeah. You need to go home. That stinks. Because we're, we're harming them. But see, because of our limited perspective of things, but if you know I love you, if you know they really knew we love you and we have their best interest at heart, everything would be much better. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Here's the whole deal there. Don't think you know it all. Now, he's not saying don't use your wisdom. He's not saying don't use knowledge. He's not saying, no, but don't think you know it all either. I don't care how long you've been around. I don't care what you've been in. There's always something for us to learn. And maybe there's always something else for us to see. That there is a better way. That maybe God is doing something far more than what we can imagine. Pastor, 
We don't think about this. It's a good thought. I was meeting with leaders the other day. All of our, some of our leaders here in the church are bored. Something was brought. We were talking about our services and everything. How we're doing it, how we've done it. Pastor, I just think we ought to go all day long. Let's just have this move of God that goes. Well, I'm all for it if God's in it. But I'm not all for it if we're trying to make it. But somebody told me the other day, had brought a family in, had some kids. I don't know when it came in. Didn't get, I, I, I don't even know if I got introduced to them or not. I don't know why this came to my mind. It's just a good place to drop it. Because you need to understand there's always something going on. They said, Pastor, we love the church. Told their friend that invite. We love the church. We love that. We love what you were doing. But that service was way too long and our kids were absolutely wore out. Yeah, but some of us that don't have kids and we got all the time. Come on, Pastor, let's just keep going. Maybe there's a great harvest to be one that people have never walked where you are. And I really truly believe that right now. That that is what the Lord is doing. Is getting us ready for a people that have never walked where we have. I remember years ago. Y'all got real quiet on that. That just like sucked air out of, the, out of the room. I must have left the anointing on that one. I remember years ago my brother and his wife were in revival in Paducah. They had been in revival for 12 weeks. Assembly of God Church. And it's a small church. I don't, it was, that's what they called revival. It's been years and years ago. And services, we didn't get out of church. This is how we Pentecostal charismatics are. Man, we had church. We didn't get out of church to midnight. Seems like the longer we go, the greater the service is. And we'll all say something like this. I believe God can do more in five minutes than what we can do all night. But we never let him do it in five minutes. Oh, hello. So it's Thanksgiving time. They took a break. We're at my house at my mom and dad's, and my little brother's not serving the Lord. And so I got there, me and Diana, our kids got there. My brother and his wife were all there, and they were so excited about this revival, Miss Adrian. And I never will forget it when they come in. Oh, man, it's, it's just a great revival. Then my little brother walks in. My brother, I mean, he didn't even get in the door. Good. Oh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry, you need to come to our revival. Man, we've been in revival for 12 weeks. We didn't even get out of church last night to midnight. Oh, you need to hear this evangelist because this evangelist is so real. And I'm sitting there watching my brother. The more they talk, the madder he was getting. Because the first place, he hadn't even gone to church. And you're talking 12 weeks every night? After all, he can't even get there on Sunday morning. And you're talking not leaving to midnight? Church, come on. I want us to hear that sometimes we've got to realize that God is doing something we don't understand. And we just have to trust him to work it out. He said, I'll, I'll guide you in all your way. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. There may be things that you and I don't understand, but I'm telling you, God is moving. He said, trust me with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in everything you do. He's talking about your daily walk in all of your ways. When he's talking about in all your ways, he said, not just in spiritual things, he said, in everything that you're doing, trust me, acknowledge me. 
I'm going to close this thing down here. Worship team is coming back. Something you and I better think about in the hour. Because our lives are being challenged right now as never before. There's a battle raging far greater than a Republican and a Democrat. Everything that is happening is challenging the very existence of the God that you and I serve and worship. Over the last couple years, from the abortion issue, that that was first, we're going to attack the children. Next assignment became, we'll attack the family unit. There's a progression I want you to see. We'll attack the children. We're going to attack the family unit. And now, there's the attack on the individual identity. That's why the LGBTQT, whatever else is behind it, is working. That a man no longer knows if he's a man and a woman doesn't no longer know if she's a woman. You better see a bigger picture because it is an assignment upon the individual now. Why is that so important? Because we carry the image of God. And if you and I don't know who we are, we don't know where we stand, then we can't reflect Him. You better hear what I'm saying. So now, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, our teaching can no longer be just about what is right and what is wrong. That's not the teach. Matter of fact, may I tell you, that's never been what God intended us to do. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We were never to be in that battle of having to decide good and evil. Y'all really got quiet again. That wasn't our battle. Because Isaiah said, Isaiah chapter 5, I believe it is, the day has come when they will call good evil and evil good. So I can't even teach my grandchildren I'm just going to teach you what is good and I'm going to teach you what is not good because if you're messed up hello if you're messed up you can't teach it so here's only two ways we can do it the only two ways and it's what was happening for the original man it was about life and death remember how Eve responded to the serpent God told us that in the day we eat of it, we will die. There was only two ways, life or death. Here's the other one. Here's the only other way. That's why I said, teach them the word of God, my commands. Man's called to live by the word of God. If you're going to teach your children anything, you've got to teach them how to hear God's voice. That's how we're supposed to be teaching because just teaching right and wrong ain't going to work anymore because the culture's messed up. I've got to teach them to hear God. You mean I've got to be that spiritual? Yes. We've got to come back to that point that we trust Him. 
I believe he's speaking to us. I don't know about everybody else, but I know he's speaking to this house. I could say, trust me. And I'll say it like Paul said, follow me as I follow God. And I'm doing my best to follow him. And I know I can miss it because I'm fallible, but I'm doing my best to follow him. And I'm encouraging us. And I believe God is saying to this house, don't you trust me. Trust me with where we are. Trust me with the land. Trust me with revival. Trust me in everything that's going on. If you'll start getting excited and realize God is moving, you'll see revival springing up in you every day the way you want it to. He said, trust in me with all your heart. I got to close right there. Would you stand with me?